I'm Sunny Linarduzzi. Welcome to the Sunny Show podcast for the bright side of being your own boss and building your own life. My definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything else personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Hey boss, I am so thrilled to have Melissa Griffin on the show today. She is the true definition of defining success on your own terms. If you think you need to hustle harder, make more money, and push yourself to your limits, Melissa offers a different and more fulfilling path to true achievement. I'd love for you to share this episode out and your takeaways, and be sure to tag me at Sunny Leonard Doozy on Instagram, and I will share your comments on my story. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Melissa Griffin. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to chat with you. You're always the most fun to chat with. <laughs> oh, ditto. It's really funny because you're one of those people that I had been following for a very long time, had thought was a badass for a very long time, and you out of nowhere texted me one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And I was like, thanks, universe. This is great. Because we do have- and how did you get my phone number? <laughs> well, we do have a mutual friend, Chris Winfield, who's like the super connector, truly. And um somehow, some way he brought you into my life, which I am so beyond grateful for because I just think you're so wonderful. And I've now even got a bigger crush on you because I've gotten to talk to you even more and get to know you on a personal level, which is amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Well, I feel the same. Thank oh. you. I feel like I've seen your brand all over the place. And like, I was so excited to be able to connect with you and see what an amazing person you are. Oh, ditto. So I'm super stoked to dive into our chat today because I think we're both known as either the Pinterest person or the YouTube person. <laughs> but there's a lot more to us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Sometimes I um, Right? <laughs> so I wanted to, just quickly before we dive into um, what I really want to get to in a second, I want to give the audience a background of your journey. So you are very well known for being a Pinterest expert and you're really, really good at it, which I know nothing about, to be honest. So tell me about how you've grown your business and where you started. So I started my business about five years ago. I was an English teacher in Japan and always wanted to be a teacher. But then when I got into actual teaching in a classroom, I was like, I want to be a teacher, but not this kind of teacher. (laughs) This is not fulfilling me. And yeah, I thought on the side, I'll start a blog as kind of just a creative outlet. I'll use some of my creative ideas that I can't do in my school and it'll just be for fun and I'll find some people online to connect with. And it turned out to be this amazing thing for me to connect with so many people that were interested in the same things, that were really creative. And I had no idea that there was a blogging world online. Um, So I really discovered that it existed, first of all. And when I discovered that, I got super sucked into the world itself. So um, I started blogging every day. I, from there, started a graphic design studio that I did for a couple of years where I sold graphic design, web design services, basically to my blog readers. And then and I quit my, my job as a teacher in that first year of blogging and designing. And then from there, I kind of reached another point where it was like, I love design, but I know that this isn't what I want to be doing forever either. And I pivoted to teaching entrepreneurs how to start their own business. So I was getting a lot of questions from 
having this design business of like, how are you getting so many clients and how are you doing this and and making this work with no business experience before? Um, so I got a lot of joy from teaching people how to do that. And I've done that for the past three years through courses and retreats and all that kind of thing. And now I feel like I'm going on this new path again. I'm starting to realize that maybe life is just about a bunch of new paths every Mm -hmm. few years. And now what I'm really passionate about is helping entrepreneurs and really just people in general to cultivate a mindset that helps them live an amazing life. Because I think there's so many blocks that we come up against in our business or in our relationships or with our health or habits that keep us from being the people we want to be or having the lives that we want to have. And after the past few years of teaching entrepreneurs, I feel like I've realized that I can only teach people so many tactical strategies before Mm -hmm. what they really need is a mindset strategy to get past the block of I'm not confident or I'm afraid of being seen or what are my friends or family going to think and move into living their fullest potential. So that's what I'm really excited about right now. But that's kind of like a brief synopsis of the journey so far. Well, I'm really excited about that for you because I can say firsthand as well. I mean, that's been a huge lesson for me in growing my business is that I, you can learn anything tactical. You can figure it out as you go. You can find the right teachers, the right mentors. But if you aren't able to get past the limiting beliefs or the hurdles or the blocks that you have, it's never going to happen for you. And you're never going to be able to do the things that you really want to do in this life. So I think that that's a really important mission. And I'm really excited to see how it pans out for you. Uh, and I know you're going to obviously nail it because you do with everything. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I think what's, what's funny is so a little bit of backstory. The first time I came across you, I, I don't remember where it was that I saw an ad and I went to your website and I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is posting her revenue every month on her blog. And I was like, this is awesome. She's so transparent. (laughs) Nobody's talking about this in the online space. Everyone's saying, oh, I have a seven-figure business, eight-figure business, six-figure business. No one's telling you this is what's happening. And you would do, I think it was monthly recaps of Mm -hmm. what was happening in your business. Do you still do those? I don't. I actually haven't done one in about a year and a half. How come you stopped? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started doing them for a lot of reasons. Um, One, I think, was because I saw a few other people doing income reports where they talk about their profit and their expenses every month. But most of them were men. And especially Mm -hmm. the ones who were doing really well with their businesses were almost all men. And I felt like I wanted to show a different side of the online business industry that there are a lot of women out there who have successful businesses and are earning a lot of money from their businesses. So that was one reason to just kind of show that women are doing amazing things with their online businesses too. A second reason was just the transparency because I feel like for a lawyer or a doctor or something, you can go on Google and be like, annual salary for a lawyer in California and find a lot of data about what the range is for somebody like that. But for someone who's selling courses or doing retreats, I think there's a lot of mystery around why or not why, but how people are making money and how much money people are actually making and what they're spending money on too. Because I I published my expenses and I think people were sometimes surprised to find that I would spend so much money on things and kind of thought that it was like, oh, you make 
a million dollars in your business. <laughs> That's amazing. Like you have a million dollars and it's uh-huh. like, well, really, maybe it's more like 300,000 after taxes and expenses. So kind of just showing that side too. And then the reason that I stopped doing it was around the time I stopped, it was December, 2016 was the last income report I did. And that year in 2016, it was my business's first million dollar year. And I thought that making all this money in my business would bring me a lot of joy and happiness. And what I found was that it never fulfilled me. And it really only added more pressure to myself because I thought like if I just hit this next benchmark, hit this next one, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel successful finally. And really, it just made me really stressed out. And to the point where I had basically nervous breakdown or anxiety attack because... I just got to this point of realizing that it was never going to make me happy. So around the end of 2016, I decided to start shifting things in my business away from how much money we're making to what impact are we creating? Am I living in my purpose? Am I being creative every day? Um, So it kind of felt disingenuous to keep publishing income reports when... I wasn't like totally aligned with that message anymore. And I worried like if I keep publishing these, then are people going to think that they need to make this much money in order mm-hmm. to feel successful or happy? Um, and am I just promoting more of the message that you need to make more and more money in your business? Because I think a lot of people can have a business where they make $50,000 a year and live a great life. And there's so much chatter out there about making six figures or seven figures or whatever it is um, that we kind of latch on to that idea as the definition of success and what mm-hmm. we need to achieve. But I think for a lot of people, that doesn't need to be the message. So that's a long way of saying that I stopped doing income reports just because I wasn't sure how I wanted to navigate that message anymore. I think that's a really, I mean, I think that speaks so much to your character as a person because it's very fascinating. I'm sure there are people listening right now going, okay, wait, so you started to get past the million dollar mark in your business and that's when you stopped publishing income reports, which is like the opposite, I would say, of what a lot of people would do because you'd want to say like, I made it, I did it, I'm growing and growing and growing. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing that you were like, okay, cool, I did it. and. And so that's what I really wanted to talk to you about. And I mean, I don't think you meant to, but it was a perfect segue. So appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. And also total side note, we did an episode with Dr. Ashley Hampton on the psychology of success. And a lot of what you just mentioned is in there about the idea that, you know, everybody talks about seven figure businesses or whatever and like growing, 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 but nobody talks about what success actually feels like and what you want it to be on your own terms because it is so individual. So it's a great episode to listen to. It'll be in the show notes. But there was an Instagram post you did on May 19th and not to sound like a stalker, but I follow you obviously. And I read this and it hit home so hard for me. And even as you were describing your journey. There's so many things that hit home for me and I can relate to. And so I wanted to just read this and then unpack it. So you said, I grew up with a parent whose love for me felt directly correlated to how successful I was. More achievements, more love. Less? Well, that's exactly how I felt. Less. I have a lot of love and compassion and forgiveness for this parent now, but it doesn't remove the programming I felt about success. I tell you this because when you're bred to think achievement equals love, then you'll do every damn thing you can to rise to the top. 
And that's always been my life. In high school, it was the captain of this and editor-in-chief of that. In college, it was the same thing. And in my business, it's one of the unconscious motivators that drove me to build a multi-million dollar business by the time I was 28. But any formula that is created out of fear rather than alignment with your true self will never be enough. I've talked about how 2016 was my company's first million dollar year and how intense the pursuit of money left me feeling exhausted and unworthy. But even with that experience, if I'm not careful, I can fall back into my old programming, which says that I need to grow more and more in order to be successful, in order to be worthy. And the thing that's been the most powerful for me when I slip into that trap is asking myself a simple question. Why do I really want this? Let's dive into that because I think so many people can relate to this. And if you're listening going, uh-huh, I hear you. That's my journey, my story as well. Please let us know. Like share this episode out, tag us and, and let us know because it is really common. So let's talk about that drive because I have a very similar story of my own success. And I experienced mass burnout a year ago because all I was doing was running at full steam ahead, trying to get to this goal that I thought was going to make me feel happy on some level. And then I got there and I was still miserable. So what has been the big realization for you as you've gone through this journey? And what do you think was your tipping point to realize achievement is not going to equal love for you? My gosh, (laughs) I'm so excited to dive into this. And also there's like so much fear that's coming up for me too. Mm -hmm. It's funny you, you talked about income reports because one of the other reasons that I feel like I started writing those was because of that parent that I mentioned in that Instagram post where that person always valued a lot of like academic careers, like being a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And I I think subconsciously I wanted to prove that I my business was doing well and that it could be something of that caliber too to this person. And I stopped publishing them because I did get a lot of recognition from that family member after publishing those and a lot of pride and telling me that they really like are so glad that I'm doing well and and all of that. And the biggest takeaway for me from that experience was that it didn't mean anything. And it was like I had worked so hard throughout my life to feel recognized by this parent and to want to uh, achieve things because to me that felt like love from this person. And then when I finally did it and I finally like achieved something that kind of put me in that benchmark for them, I realized that it was like, oh, that wasn't what I was working for this whole time. I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that's why I was so driven to do this. And then when it turned out that it wasn't the thing that was going to bring me joy, I think that was a big part of the turning point for me because it was like, I'd worked so hard for this, but now I really need to figure out a different way because this isn't making me feel fulfilled, even with their pride. And then there was another point where I was at a conference in like the fall of 2016 after having, during having this big year in my business. And there was a spoken word poet named NQ who was performing. Oh, and I love NQ. Oh my gosh. Okay. I do yes. too. Go ahead. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And he was talking about, I forget exactly, but there was one line that he said that was planet, people, profit of how we should kind of order our priorities in life. And I realized that I was living totally backwards and I was valuing profit over anything. I was 
completely devaluing my relationships. I didn't have close friendships. My health was really bad. And I just didn't prioritize anything except more and more achievement and a success in my business. And when I heard that line, I just like started sobbing in this auditorium at this conference. And thankfully, right after his performance was our lunch break. So I like hauled my butt over to a CVS and bought a, a notebook and a pen and went to a park and just started journaling everything out because I realized that I had spent the past few years building a business that just wasn't bringing me that purpose or fulfillment. And that was really the big turning point of realizing that I was doing so much of what I was creating for everyone else but myself Mm. and wanting to then start shifting things to like, how do I get back to that creativity? And how do I get back to just letting it be fun instead of having the pressure and expectation of what I think it needs to be for people watching? Hopefully that answers your question. It totally answers my question. And I now want to know, how did you do it? What did you start changing? What were what are some of the things that you do now to ensure? Because programming is a real mother effing thing. Like <laughs> it does not go away easily. And the stories we've been telling ourselves our entire life are really hard to reprogram. So what do you do to center yourself and make sure that you're acting from your true self? I know you said you asked that question of like, why do I really want this? Which is a great start because it's a great way to check in with yourself and be like, okay, let's get honest. What am I really doing this for? Is it for the ego? Is it for external validation? Or is it for myself? What else have you found to be really uh, helpful in navigating this? Well, the first thing that we did after I had this realization, a couple months later, we did a big fundraiser for one of my favorite charities, Pencils of Promise. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was like... That was like the solidification of the turning point because it was, we did this fundraiser where if you bought any of my programs, then all of the money would be donated to charity for like two weeks. And for me, that was like giving up the income and really just letting impact lead what we do and not being attached to like, oh, we need to make all this money from these things or we're losing money from donating all this revenue. And it became this almost mindset shift of, oh, I can still feel happy and fulfilled even when we're not making money during those two weeks, at least not for my business. So that was a big turning point, just figuring out how can we prioritize giving back over getting something Mm -hmm. for my business or myself. And then I feel like the past couple of years or past 18 months or so have been like the biggest adventure and journey in my own personal development that I've ever had. So some of the things that I've done are hiring coaches, like the best people that I can find, life coaches, therapists, hypnotherapists, intuitive coaches, um, and really like testing anything that I think might give me a nugget of... Mm. Uh, wisdom or inspiration. So I've done things like tarot readings or Akashic record readings or going to see psychics because in my mind, I'm like, if they tell me one thing that's going to be enlightening or interesting, then it's totally worth it uh, Mm -hmm. regardless of, of what you believe. So I started just dabbling in anything that I thought would push me to learn something new about myself and kind of uncover those layers of who I am and what that programming looks like. Because to me, the first step to really like figuring out what you want in your life is peeling away the layers of your own self and having more self-awareness of how you got to where you are 
what stories you've told yourself about who you are, um, what you're creating in the world, and then a lot of undoing. So discovering those stories and then undoing them with coaches or through journaling. Developing a daily journaling practice has been one of the best things that I've done because I feel like doing it on a daily basis helps me to see my patterns a lot more clearly. Mm. If you do it every month or so, it's more like a little historical journal where you just kind of see what you did that month. But when you do it every day, then you start to see like, oh, snap. Like I wrote about that same trigger last week Mm -hmm. and the week before and the week before. Maybe this is something I need to focus on to heal myself. Mm -hmm. So... It really became about my own healing and growth through coaches and journaling, meditation, and also reading too. I, I had this like epiphany one day where I was like, everything that I possibly want to know and that could help me to become my best self, have a really fulfilling business, have great health is literally in an $8 book somewhere. So why <laughs> am I not such reading? such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, why am I not prioritizing reading? That is huge. And also surrounding myself with a community that is on that same journey too. Because I I think if we don't have people around us who support us and who inspire us in the direction that we want to go, then it makes it so much harder to actually move in that direction without that network of support. So those have been some of the biggest things and traveling too. I feel like I've traveled to in the past 18 months, like almost every continent and just learned so much from those trips too about myself because it's put me in a lot of situations that test me and just reveal more of those layers that really is just feedback. Sometimes you can look at the layers or the the awareness of ourselves that comes up in life and think like, oh crap, like I suck or (laughs) I wish that wasn't true about me or like, ah, this... Uh, this is difficult. But I really just see it as feedback of like, this is something that I get to work on and it's going to help me grow into my fullest potential and, and my deepest happiness in life. I love it. So well said. Question for you at this point, do you feel like you still have that inkling inside of you to grow, grow, grow? Like, is that still a big piece of who you are? And I guess the second part of that is how do you grow without burning yourself out? That's a good question. I do feel like it's definitely still something that I'm focusing on. And I kind of feel like I've always been like that. I actually have a tattoo on my arm that says like a root growing Mm. because I I feel like growth has just always been a value of mine. But I, I do feel like I'm in personal growth mode. It was like the past four years were business growth mode, hustle mode. And now I'm going to more of like a solitary, I want to learn more about myself and and work on myself too so i can i can feel more happy and resilient and fulfilled consistently and then growing without burning yourself out <laughs> that's such a good question <laughs> i feel like for me it's picking one thing at a time that i want to work on because if you just like splash your face with all the stuff that you want to work on about yourself then it can become almost this like shame inducing thing of like, wow, I really suck. (laughs) Right. There's a lot of stuff I got to work on. But if you just pick one thing and like one tactic or strategy that you want to focus on at a time, then it starts to kind of layer itself. And you look back over the last six months and you're like, wow, I don't do that thing anymore that used to bring me pain or I'm not triggered by that experience anymore that I used to really be hurt by. So that has helped a lot of just kind of like focusing on things little by little and really seeing it as a lifelong journey. Because I Mm. think 
when I started doing all this kind of personal development stuff, I um, I thought that I would just get to a point and it's like, oh, like <laughs> I did it. I'm, I'm enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be like Buddha or something and just everything would be great. And, and um, I would never feel triggered or sad. And then I started realizing like, maybe that's just part of life and mm-hmm. everyone feels that way. And it's just like an up and down thing because we're meant to feel that way. It's not, mm-hmm. it's like, I think in so many ways, life imitates nature and nature has seasons Mm -hmm. where sometimes it's winter and you need to like shrink back into your shell and learn about yourself. And sometimes it's summer where you need to blossom and, and be this big self of yours, but it's all beautiful. It's all part of you. And, and I think the more that we can honor that, as just a part of life instead of resisting it when things are challenging, the more happy and and fulfilled we can be. Could not agree more. I think for people listening right now, um, it's such a good, juicy conversation because it is so prevalent to think you have to be on your grind every day. You have to be hustling every day. Da, 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 da. And the true growth, and I can speak to this for myself, the true growth and the true happiness and fulfillment comes from a place of space, spaciousness, like having the space to do the things that make you feel your best so you can act in the best way possible for the business. And the hustle is going to get you to a certain point, but it's not going to get you where you need to go ultimately. Um, And I feel like you're at that place of like having a lot of spaciousness in your business. There's actually an exercise that someone recently taught me about the four boxes of fulfillment. And we're going to do a whole video on it on YouTube. Um, It might actually already be out when this comes out. But it's like the the four things that you need in your daily life. Um, So I'm curious what your answers would be to, to that. Because for me, when I started to really think about it, it was creativity. I have to be creative every day. Even if that's just like two minutes of making an Instagram story or something like that, uh, I have to have freedom of schedule and being able to go for a walk whenever I want, going, being able to go for a hike, go to the beach, whatever it might be. Um, I have to learn something new every day and I consider that growth, which you had mentioned. So I read every day and that's part of that. And then I also have to teach something every day. So I need to share my new ideas. I need to teach something to somebody. What do you think yours would be that your four boxes of fulfillment, if you do these four things every day, you'll feel happy? Ooh, that's such a fun question. Um, I love what you said about creativity. That would definitely be one of my boxes too. I I just noticed the more, especially like free flowing creativity mm. where it's not attached to an outcome. It's just like, I want to do this because it's fun and I enjoy it and getting into that flow state. Um, so that kind of creativity and then connection, like I notice I can feel it on days when I don't connect with people when like I'm in my house for two days straight and haven't gone <laughs> yes. once and haven't seen another being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when I'm connecting with people and like getting lunch with them or just even having a good text conversation or a phone call or something, it makes me feel so much more fulfilled than when I'm just kind of like in my bubble the whole mm-hmm. time connection, I almost feel like should just take up the other three boxes, but I'll think of... <laughs> no, I, I think that's huge. It's, a, it's funny because part of what I like to do is teach people. So I sat down with my family and shared this exercise with them. My dad, his, one of his was connection. Me, he loves just sitting down and having a chat with people and going to coffee and all those kinds of things. And I think it's it's so great to get to this place of being like, cool, I've built a successful business. I've done the growth in the business. Now I want to focus on me. But for people who are 
maybe just about to hit that point or starting out, which I know there's a lot of people listening who are just Wait, starting I have two out. More boxes. Oh yeah, get it. <laughs> share, them. share them. Yeah. Like in my head, I was like, oh, I love these. Yeah. These share them, please. <laughs> um, another box would be love. Because mm-hmm. I notice when I go too much into ego, which I think is the opposite of love, then the less happy I am and, and the less like productive I am. Um, so love would be big too. Just, what would love show up as, as like a daily activity for you? Yeah. I think love would be a response, like a reaction and also maybe an action. So I say reaction in the sense of like, if I experience something where it almost like triggers my ego and makes me want to be judgmental or unhappy or entitled or something, then being able to see that situation with more love and just love for that person or that experience and remembering that we all just came from being like a little seed. And we learned every... like The most freeing thing for me is remembering that the reason everyone is the way that they are is because of the things that they experienced in their life Mm -hmm. up until that point that you met them. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard to not treat everyone with love Mm -hmm. by remembering that like maybe they are being cruel to you because of how cruel they were treated at some point in their life. Yeah. So love is huge. And then presence... presence of just being in the moment. I visited Denmark recently and the biggest thing that I took away from it was that everyone was so present. Like everyone was so in the moment there and they have this concept. I'm totally going to butcher the pronunciation, (laughs) but it's like huggy. It's H-Y-G-G-E. And the, the concept is all about like being cozy with people you love in the moment, just kind of sharing that time together where it could be I like that. You get a pizza and a beer and you go sit on the pier together. That totally rhymed, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> but I, I, I strive to do that. I, don't always, I definitely don't always do it. But if I was going to have like the perfect day of fulfillment, then it would be me being present and not getting too wrapped up in the past or the future. I love those. Those are great. And maybe you can start implementing them now moving forward every single day. Um, I like that. Yeah. It, I, it was such an impactful exercise for me. It takes like two minutes and I was like, okay, now I have the four boxes. Now how do I fill them up with these activities to make sure that I'm actually doing this every day? It doesn't have to be hour long things that you're doing. It can be like two minute exercises mm-hmm. um, just to make sure you're incorporating them day over day. So thank I you for that. sharing those. I think that's great. And what I was going to say is I think when you're at the beginning stages of your business where you're just about to hit that place where you're like, cool, I built the business. Now what? Now what do I really want? Now why am I really doing this? All those things. You're so focused on the monetary. So I'm curious for you, was it difficult to kind of detach from the income side of things? Like your business is great and it's doing well, but was that scary for you to not put so much weight into the income? Yes. Yes and no. It's like I still do put weight into the income, but to an extent. I think the biggest thing for me is realizing that making more money isn't going to make me happy. It's mm-hmm. like finding what your sweet spot is. What do you need to make to feel comfortable to do the things you want to do to have freedom? And then make sure you're hitting that point so that you feel like you can do all the things you want in your life. But then after that, it's maybe just a little bonus. It's Mm -hmm. not something that maybe you need. So that's been a lesson for me this year too. I think this is something that is going to be like a lifelong needing to be intentional to stay in this uh, zone of presence 
and and purpose because I went into this year wanting to like double our revenue again and have this crazy year. And then I got to like May and I was like, why? Like, why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? This isn't even fulfilling me. I'm feeling stressed out and burnt out. And then we just, I scaled back the gold so that we just at least hit or maybe even kind of come close to last year, but not really shoot for anything big this year. And I think that that is like, it has to be a conscious decision. It does. What's going to make me feel good? And then beyond that, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why am I really doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, it was like, so that I could show up at events and feel successful or like feel like I was growing my business every year, just so that I think it's that programming of of thinking that I need to be growing and achieving to be loved. And And so it's a constant reminder for me of like, you don't need to do that. You're Mm -hmm. already loved just for existing and you can just earn enough money to live a comfortable life. It doesn't have to be this, this crazy thing every year. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm like, yes, preach. I feel the same way over (laughs) here. Um, And I think it's just like so refreshing to hear someone say, you know, it's okay if we like just hit the goal. And if we just do the same way as we did last year, it's not double the business, quadruple the business. (laughs) Like you don't necessarily need to be doing that every year. And it's probably not even realistic for everyone on the planet. And it is, it's finding that sweet spot. And there's so many great exercises you can do around like financials. And the book that I read that changed the game for me was actually Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game. And the first couple chapters, he has you do an exercise of breaking down all your expenses for your dream life and figuring out what that would actually cost you. Because it's really easy for people to be like, I need a million dollars. But then when you really break that down, it's like, no, you actually only need $100,000 a year to do what you want to be doing. So it's important to kind of take that step back and go, okay, what do I really need to feel totally comfortable and happy and content and be able to do the things that I want to do? And what do I need to be setting my life up to look like? Do I need a big, huge house or could I be totally happy in a two-bedroom apartment or a one-bedroom apartment? So yeah, I think that perspective is is really, really refreshing. So thank you. And I like that you pointed that out because I feel like a lot of us go into business with setting these big goals without that intention, which seems so simple of like just mapping out what you want to have in your life and how much it would cost. But we don't do that. I don't, I've never even done that, um, which sounds like a great idea. I want to try it. But it's something that just helps you stay in that intention and mm-hmm. not go beyond it just for like societal validation. Well, because I think we live in a really effed up time right now where there is so much emphasis on money and growth and greed. And so it's hard not to get caught up in that and think, oh God, well, if that person's doing that, then I need to be doing the same thing because their life looks so spectacular and that's what they're making. So like, that's what I need. And yeah. so it's that constant looking at everything external instead of tuning into yourself and being like, oh, now I'm good. (laughs) I can can chill out for a second. It was funny. I'm in a mastermind and um, Ty Lopez of all people came to speak at the mastermind. And he was one of my favorite speakers of the two years that I've been in that mastermind. And then he talks a lot about money and does videos like a Lamborghini behind him and stuff. But his big message during this talk that he did was um, he had four basically priorities that you could have in your life. And I hope I remember all of them. But one was love, Mm -hmm. relationships, having like the best relationships and partner you could possibly ask for. Another one was status, like 
being a huge, well-known person in your industry or in the world. Um, another one was money. So having a lot of money to do and have whatever you want. And then another one was freedom, like mm. freedom to just do whatever you want in your life. And maybe for freedom, you make like 100K per year, but that's your ceiling. And, and he had us kind of take two of them and then battle them out and see which one wins of those two. So it'd be like status versus money, which one is your top one? And you pick one. And then once you're down to two, you compare those two and and you really come out with your top thing in life that you want to strive for. And that exercise was so enlightening for me and, and pretty much everyone else in that mastermind. And for me, my top two were freedom and love. And mm. I was like, well, what the heck am I doing trying to put all this effort into money and status when those aren't even the things that really bring me joy? So I think it, it goes back again to that intentionalness. Yes. That's a word. Intentionality like, or something. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, of like, what do you actually want to create in the world and, and what's going to bring meaning to your life? Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, that's like a whole other episode, but like, <laughs> but, but once you figure out the things that make you feel fulfilled, you can act from a place of, of being full and being able to bring those things to the ta- things to the table, which is the part that not enough people talk about. I have not created anything good from a place of burnout. I have not created mm-hmm. anything good from a place of being exhausted. And I was in that state for like a very long time. And I think the other thing about that is if you are creating from a place of exhaustion and hustle and trying to prove something, you also open yourself up to so much vulnerability of being taken advantage of from other people, from your community, no boundaries, all of those things. And that's something I've also experienced. So yeah, I mean, I'm, su- I'm such a believer in in what you were saying earlier of where you want to take things moving forward with your business, because I think you are a great example of, especially after talking to today, to you today, you're such a great example of, you know, finding success, but then also really taking a step to, step back to be like, okay, well, what does it actually look like for me to feel full mm-hmm. and feel successful? I just thought about that successful full fulfillment. Ooh, I, <laughs> I like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> just coming up with ideas left, right, and center. Um, I just think your perspective on it is really refreshing. So do you have any idea of what this new venture is going to look like or you're starting to just kind of let it marinate and work on it? I see it as I really want to create like a movement almost because mm-hmm. I, I feel like the idea of of strategies of like, you need a new marketing tactic, you need to go to a different conference, take another webinar, uh, read another book so that you can be successful. To me, that is half of the, the pizza <laughs> and yeah. is, is not fully encompassing of... Um, what you need to do to create a successful business. And I think the thing that's getting left out of the picture a lot of the time and the reason for a lot of people's lack of success or like doing their business for years and not getting traction is that they're not prioritizing the mindset portion. So what I really want to do is make it more mainstream for entrepreneurs to be like, okay, so I want to earn this much money in my business. What marketing tactics do I need? And what mindset strategies do I need in order to make that happen? And have that be more of a a typical conversation versus just the marketing side being the thing that we look at as useful or necessary. So for me, that will manifest into like conferences and events, retreats, and writing a book. 
hopefully in the next year. So those are like the bigger things that I'm working on now. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see how this comes to life and I will be rooting for you and cheering you on. And I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast when all these things start to unfold. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. And we can't leave without doing the speed round because everybody has to do the speed round. (laughs) So, and I'm actually going to make a special question just for you because you hit on something that I want to make sure we include in your speed round. So um, doesn't have to be one word answers just as quickly as possible. So best business book every entrepreneur should read. I'm already sucking at the speed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best business book. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. Ooh, there's a book called Leading with Noble Purpose. I think that's a great book. No one's Uh, ever said that before. So amazing. Yay. (laughs) Nailed it. You're very good at this. (laughs) And then the bonus question that I haven't asked anyone else is what's the best book you read recently on a personal growth level? Mm. There's a book that I'm reading right now that I think is really great. Uh, It's really well written and just so enlightening. It's called So You Want to Talk About Race by Mm. Ijeoma Chuo. And I think that's how you pronounce her name. And it's just unpacks race in today's society in a way that is so easy to understand and relate to and gives a lot of actionable advice for like, especially as me, a white person, how I can work to dismantle racism. Which is so important right now, white privilege and white women, particularly being able to support women of color. And yeah, so I'm going to read that because I think that's great. Um, What are your daily non-negotiables? I do adaptogenic teas or coffee every morning. So I'll put like a bunch of different herbs and um, roots and things like that in my coffee. And then playing with my dog every day. He's the most cuddly in the morning when I wake up. So that's always something that I do. I drink 10 cups of water a day at least. Good girl. That's That's amazing. Thank you. Eight hours of sleep always. Is that your magic number? Because I feel like sleep's a funny thing. Like I think actually eight and a half hours is my magic number. Really? Okay. And just seven's mine. Oh, I mean, like, I wish that was mine, but (laughs) I just need a lot of sleep. (laughs) Um, And going outside, like there are days when I forget to go outside. So that has become a new non-negotiable. Today is one of those days for me. So I'm actually going to go for a walk after this. (laughs) (laughs) What are you grateful for today? Oh, I love that. I'm grateful for sunlight in my house. It's Mm. just so peaceful and I love it. I'm grateful my dog is like literally on top of my feet right now laying there. Um, I'm grateful that it's feeling warmer in LA. I've like craved the sunshine and warmth for so Mm. long. Grateful for healthy food that I was able to eat today. And just, I was thinking as we were talking, because I saw the shadow of a butterfly fly by my curtain over to my left. Um, And I just felt so grateful to be able to see that butterfly and like remember that I'm part of nature and and all of that too. So I'm grateful for that too. That's the best answer anyone has ever given me about what they're grateful for today. That was so beautiful and vivid. Um, Favorite kind of music to listen to when you work? I have a hard time listening to music when I'm working, but I got this playlist from my Reiki teacher, Reiki practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called like binaural beats. Oh, I can't remember who else mentioned this, but yes, we, I've heard this before. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So it plays music at different 
vibrational waves, I think. And the music is supposed to kind of heal you and your chakras. And really, it just sounds nice too. And it's like very peaceful and calming. It's instrumental. So I listen to that a lot of the time when I'm working. Cool. (laughs) Best advice you've ever received from a mentor? I think one of the biggest things that comes to mind right now is recently I had a mentor kind of unveil to me how much of what I do in my life is in order to seek approval from Mm. other people rather than approval of myself. Mm. So just the advice or the idea of approving of myself first before needing any validation from anybody else is something that I'm working on. And that's definitely at the forefront right now. I am right there with you on that. What are the three main characteristics of a successful entrepreneur? Resilient, uh, experimental, and hardworking. Mm. What is the biggest lie about online business? Oh, this is fun. (laughs) We could have a whole chat about this one. Um, Oh my God. I I mean, the biggest one that comes to mind is like, you don't have to be anything else but yourself to be successful and to feel successful. I think the lie that I see a lot of my students fall into and, and that I fell into myself is like thinking that I need to wear certain clothes or have certain hair even, or like... Mm be a certain way on podcasts or webinars and and have a certain website to be successful because that's what all the big people were doing. I think that's a total lie. And the more that you can be yourself and really exude complete truth of who you are, the more people and the right people are going to gravitate to what you do. So really, the best strategy you can have is to just be who you are. I love it. What are you most proud of in your business? I'm proud of the people that we help. Uh, I mean, that might be a cliche answer, but I'm really proud of how it helps people. We get emails sometimes of like, I'm a single mom and and this just gave me the freedom to be home with my kids. Or like, I listened to your podcast episode and and had a really difficult conversation with my husband that Mm. turned things around. And like those things mean a lot to me Mm. um, that I'm really proud of. And I'm proud too that Every year, starting last year, so this is only our second year doing it, but (laughs) every year we do a a team retreat for the people that work in my business. And last year we went to Mexico this year. We're going to Nashville, Tennessee. Nice. Um, And it's really just meant to be like a fun thing where we can bond and and get to know each other and grow together. Um, So I'm proud of prioritizing that. That's awesome. What are you most proud of in your life? I love this. I'm proud of myself for prioritizing my growth, even when it's hard Mm -hmm. and really just being in it and being okay with that. Yeah. That's huge. Mm -hmm. You should be proud of that. That's amazing. Final question. My definition of being your own boss is taking care of yourself so you can take care of everything else personally and professionally. What is your definition of being your own boss? Having the freedom to live the life you want and to live to your greatest potential in your life. Love it. Where do you want to send my wonderful audience of bosses to find out more about you if they don't already know? Uh, They can go to my website, which is melissagriffin.com. And my first name is kind of funky. It's M-E-L-Y-S-S-A. Or if you want to listen to the podcast, it's called Pursuit with Purpose. And we have that at pursuitwithpurpose.com. 
Love it. And all of that goodness will be in the show notes below as well. Thank you so, so much for your time. And thank you for showing up as you because you're making a huge difference for so many people. Thank you so much, Sunny. I think the same exact thing about you. You rock. Ditto. This episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, thebossyoutubestrategy.com, how to double your revenue and 100x your subscriber base in the next 12 months using YouTube. If you aren't using YouTube to build your business, you're missing out on an evergreen lead machine that will build your revenue and your brand. I'll see you there. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with your fellow bosses. Congratulations on showing up for yourself today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.